What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Standouts. We are on tonight on a Thursday at 9 o'clock at night Eastern Time, 8 p.m. over there in Central Time. And then, you know, for you people over there on the Pacific Coast, about five, six o'clock, excuse me, got to get my numbers right, six o'clock over there on the Pacific Coast. Instead of our normal Wednesday time at 8 p.m., we're here tonight on Thursday. We had to shuffle a couple of things around um, Sam has maybe some good news he might want to share with y'all about why we had shovel around. I'll let him decide on that or not, but we're excited either way to be here with you guys tonight. Um, we've got the 2021 NFL draft coming up very soon, less than a month away. Now we've got the cornerback prospects tonight that we're going to be going over with, with you guys, but you know, I'm going to go ahead and toss it over to Sam, let him throw a little bit of what he's got going on and, you know, let him speak for you guys. I'm confused. What was my good news? I don't know. You, I mean, I mean, you're you're a vaccinated man now. Like, you, oh you yeah, must feel, you yes, must feel great. Yes, that's, that's great news. I don't know. Yes. Uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got my second dose um, the other day. A little fatigue, sore arm, aching, but not too bad. Feeling good today, though. Feel much better today. So, um, hope everyone out there gets vaccinated. I know in Wisconsin Monday, everyone sixteen up. I want to say will become fully fully eligible. Um, so yeah, man, like lots of people getting vaccinated. I encourage everyone out there as soon as you become eligible, get the vaccine. If you don't want to get it yourself, get it for just everybody else, man. You know, like just, just so we could all be on the same page here, get back to normal life. Like just, just do it. Like, I don't care what way or another, but just, I'm getting it done because I want to go back to a normal life. <laughs> you know, like. I'm not doing it because I, I necessarily want it so bad or I don't want it. It's just like I want to get back to normal life. So um, that's what I'm rolling with. But I'm excited. I get my first shot on the 8th. So about a week from today, tomorrow. I'm um, looking forward to getting that, man. And then, you know, a month later, I'll be getting my second shot. So um, hopefully here soon, we'll be, I'll be back to normal. But um, like I said, Sam, we're going to be going over cornerback prospects tonight, the 2021 NFL Draft. And we'll get in that in a second here. But if you guys haven't already been paying attention down there at the bottom um, ticker down there, we've got a couple sponsors we're going to go over with you guys real quick. We've got mybookie.ag. Baseball season opening day was today. A lot of different things going on. A lot of weird things were happening in baseball today. I, I don't know. There was home runs and big scores and games that I didn't expect it to happen. Teams losing that I didn't expect to lose. So, I mean, it's a perfect time to bet. You know, when you when you yourself some money on the underdogs and MLB, um, you know, the NBA is coming to the end. We're at the end of March Madness, so get it in while you can, guys. Head over to mybookie.ag, use code USN100 for double your first deposit, guys. It's a minimum deposit of $50. Um, they had a special today, you know, no matter who scored, as long as there was one run scored in the Colorado Rockies-Dodgers game, you got a free $25 from them, so that was awesome as well. Um, again, guys, that's mybookie.ag. Use code USM100 for double your first deposit. Put in $50, get $50 free play. That easy, my people. Um, as well as that, we've got um, rxhemp.com. If you guys head over to rxhemp.com, go use the code rxhemp-USN for 10% off every single one of your purchases. It's an all-natural CBD pain relief cream, guys. This is the CBD part of the marijuana, not the THC, so you don't have to worry about that. It's in hot and cold um formula that they got going on there so if you don't feel it at first just give it a second don't slather that stuff on there because you're you're gonna be burning for a while at some point but um that code again guys is rxhemp-usn for 10 percent off every single one of your purchases it's great for back pain um great for joint pain as well mm -hmm. you know just tore muscles if you're a regular um working out person do crossfit and everything like sam does um and weightlifting especially sam does that he's bending on his joints and his back all the time so um it's great stuff for for all of that um, we got a couple more sponsors that we'll let you guys know about, but we'll either do that, you know, middle of the show or later on in the show when it comes to our Patreon that we've got going on, which is awesome. So a little preview there, as well as our Teespring shop, which has all of your um, unwrapped apparel and merchandise, as well as your favorite shows too. So it's it's great stuff, guys, that we got going on on Unwrapped. Um, last night, I was actually on The Hard Count, which is with Connie and CJ, two of our colleagues here at the Unwrapped Sports Network, and I was able to fill in. Um, for Sam, we were both supposed to be on there actually, and Sam wasn't able to make yeah, it because he was getting his second shot. No, all good. Um, he's, he's a busy man, people. Uh, but yeah, I went on there last night, gave out a, a mock draft there at the end, and we had some good conversations with the hard count guys and another special guest that was on there as well about what we're going to expect. So if you guys want to go check that out from last night, go check it out. Um, it's on the Unwrapped Sports page on Twitter. It's on the Unwrapped Sports YouTube, their Twitch. 
whatever you want to go to to be able to view this stuff you can find that hard count if you're on spotify if you're on um you know apple Podcasts, go check them out as well they're on there as well as in podcast form as well as live um but with that being said sam we're back to saturday stand up tonight and we're going over our 2021 nfl draft cornerback prospects and i'll go ahead and let you lead it off with the first guy here and that's going to be probably everybody's overwhelming favorite as the number one overall corner in this draft um not overwhelming i shouldn't say that because there are guys worthy of that spot you know there's just been sliding and moving and shuffling throughout the season and as well as after their their pro days and things of that nature um but the first guy we have on on tap for us tonight is going to be a quarterback out of alabama in the name of patrick sertain the second yeah caleb i know we we you and i had initially talked about you know combining the secondaries but the problem with that is there's so like this is such a deep secondary class um like that's why we had come to the decision to you know split it up between corners and safeties and you know the, the two and three, because coming into the season, a lot of people had Sean Wade, you know, being a top three corner. And we'll get to Sean Wade later in the show. But Pat Sertain is everything you want in a corner. I think he has the potential to be a future All-Pro. Um, and, and I'm a little bit confused why he is. I've seen him falling in mocks. I think I personally think he is arguably not only the best corner in the draft, but he's a top 10 prospect. Oh, did we lose you, Sam? Are you there? <laughs> Looks like we lost Sam for a second. But yeah, um, Patrick Sertain, he is definitely one of the top-notch cornerbacks in this draft. Like Sam said, uh, it is a deep cornerback class. Um, so that is something you got to keep an eye on because you don't know what certain type of teams are going to go after a certain type of corners. But when we're looking at Patrick Sertain here, he is probably the best one-on-one -on -one cover cornerback in this draft, man-to-man, -man, if you will. So he's great overall at what he does. He has played the most man coverage snaps amongst all of these corners. He has, uh, I think, 277 snaps uh, in the one on, in the man on man, you know, role there at the cornerback position. So that's the most out of any single player that is, is a cornerback in this draft. We're gonna go ahead and bring in Sam again and let him finish saying what he was saying, and I'll jump back in, guys. Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but. You're good. Uh, I think Pat Sertain is arguably not only he's a top 10 prospect, he's the best corner. I think he's got the potential to be a future All-Pro. He's everything you want in a corner. He's screamed consistency. He's physical, has an immense amount of hip mobility. And you're playing in the SEC, so he's gone up against guys like probably like Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall Jr. He's gone up against these elite receivers in the SEC. And I've seen him falling in mock drafts, and I'm not really sure – there's no injury concerns. He hasn't had any injury concerns like ever since, you know, declaring for the draft. I've seen him fall the 16 to the Arizona Cardinals. If that's the case, that would be an absolute steal. Um, but um, I didn't hear what you were saying about what, what, what were your points when I, uh, yeah, I, I was saying um, he, he should be the top guy. He's the best overall man to man defender in this draft when it comes to the quarterback position, played the most snaps, man-to-man -man in his college career more than any other cornerback in this draft as well he should be labeled as number one guy we see what he's able to do on a consistent basis he has ultimately improved in his draft grade year after year after year since he has been in college going from 70s to mid 80s to you know a little bit of the upper 80 echelon there in his in his grading wise um and then when you look at him he, he is great uh, mirror and match skills, which are amazing. He can mirror the wide receiver. He can match them move for move, which is exactly what you want in the NFL. Reads the wide receiver down a vertical stream. So those guys who like to go deep, he, he's great at being able to follow them, stay hip to hip on them. That's a big thing, especially when you're a cornerback, be able to flip those hips, get your hip on that wide receiver's hip, and be able to turn and track the ball down the field. That's a great aspect of his game as well. Um, he squeezes to the sideline, so he forces that wide receiver out without being able to, you know, get flagged for it. In fact, he was not flagged one time in, in this past season in 2020, which is an amazing, you know, bout for a corner to be able to do in a, in a year. I know there are shortened games, but you still go eight games deep. Um, that's a long, you know, season to be able to not get a flag thrown on you for pass interference. And he's great at making plays on the ball, uh, last and not least. You know, like he – whether it's the ball's in the air and he's able to make a play on that, tip it away, get an incompletion, get the interception, um, create a play for another player on his team. Not only that, but reading it out of the backfield too. And if he needs to split off of his guy because he can see what's going on in the backfield, 
in the back half of the play and be able to explode and make a play on a runner or a guy catching a screen out of backfield. He's great at that as well. Um, just overall, really clean cornerback that I think is going to be a real nice pickup for somebody. I have him going to the Cowboys at 10. Um, he deserves to have like a top seven grade on him. Um, but yeah. there's a lot of players that you can say that about. They, you know, these players just keep getting better and better and better year in and year out, you know, just from the way they're, they're being brought up, changed, um, the way they're being, you know, trained into the athletes that they are today. So um, Patrick Sertain easily is, in my opinion, the number one overall receiver. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. I'm glad you brought up the Dallas Cowboys because um, I want to say that was our last mock that we had them. The Cowboys just lost their top corner. They lost Byron Jones a few seasons back to the Miami Dolphins. They just lost Chidobia Woozy of the Cincinnati Bengals. So their number one corner right now is Trayvon Diggs coming into a second year out of Alabama, which still you get that you you put you pair Trayvon Diggs back up with Pat Sertain the second. That's two right. Alabama duos. That is a perfect match. And you also look at I want to say two guys from the Falcons. Keanu Neal, I know, was one of them. Keanu Neal from the Falcons. He's reunited with Dan Quinn. I want to say there's another guy from that Falcons defense that is back there. Um, I don't recall his name, but I know Keanu Neal was another guy that came back to reunite with Dan Quinn. So they're building their secondary. And, you know, if Pat Sertain comes in at number 10 and he's there, not only is that a match made in heaven, but that's their true cornerback. That's their true CB1. Yeah, uh, immediately probably is their their cornerback one. Trevon um, Grimes, excuse me, had his bumps in the road last year. We all kind of saw it, especially earlier on the season. Then he started to pick it up as the season started to progress. He got better, um, which is fine because he is a first-year corner, and you, you expect those bumps in the road to happen. Um, and then he got injured, and we didn't see him the rest of the season. And so um, he's going to come back healthy, and then you pair him with a guy like Patrick Sertain second. I think it's a match made in heaven, especially if you're Dan Quinn coming into that Cowboys organization and needing something like this to be able to jolt, jolt start your defense somehow. Somehow it's got to happen for the Cowboys. They've got to get a like a, a dash of lightning just into them somehow to be able to stop opposing offenses from scoring on them and scoring on them big. Um, so I think that'll be a great pickup for them. But moving off of Patrick Sertain the second, we'll move on to our next guy, and that is um, Caleb Farley, uh, cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Yeah, and this, you know, this this guy came out of nowhere. And, you know, a lot of people, how's it going, Connie? Um, you know, I'd be anxious to see what where people rank him now because of his injury. And, you know, that's posing a big concern. He went from being, you know, even mocked before Pat Sertain in mock drafts. And, you know, being the second best corner, some I, I want to say some people probably had him as the best corner in the draft. And now this back injury is a major concern. We could even see him fall to 29 to the Green Bay Packers. Even out of the like out of the first round would be surprising, but that's how much of a concern it is to teams. But the one thing that stands out to me for Caleb Farley, and we were talking, you know, Caleb Farley and Sean Wade coming into the season. Caleb Farley, I think you know, is a lot more physical. He has, you know, that prototypical size for an NFL corner. He's 6'2", 207. He did opt out of the season. Um, so, I mean, opt-outs, I don't think are going to pose like a major concern. Um, I think they're going to bring that into account. But, you know, he's physical. And he he's shown it on tape that he can be a successful corner and productive corner in the NFL. Um, and you know, a back injury, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, and he didn't get to participate in his pro day because of it. Um, but you know, I think this guy's going to be very good in the NFL and I think he's got the potential to be, you know, a CB one for a team, depending on where he is drafted. You look at the green Bay Packers, Jair Alexander, Caleb Farley on the other side for that CB two spot. Yeah, it's very interesting when it comes to Caleb Farley because there were those those mentions and those you know little rumors around that everybody was listening and hearing about that and he's going to be quarter he should be cornerback one and that's fine and all and then you know you come into it and now he's starting to drop and it's injury concerns he didn't do his pro day and all of this and there's all these question marks but at the end of the day look at what this guy's been on put on film. I don't want to keep repeating what Sam said, but I mean, it's, it's head on exactly what it is. He doesn't possess all these other qualities that these other corners might in the draft, but he is super physical and has shown the 
ability to catch up to the ball. So if he is beat or playing off of a wide receiver and he has a lot of space, he can, you know, make up that ground extremely fast. And it's because of his length and size. He, he's a prototypical corner, you know, just looking at him, you know, maybe a little bit bigger, but when you look at his, his arm, you know, arm span and, and his length, when it comes to his strides, when he is running with wide receivers, it's impressive. And he's able to make plays on the ball that a lot of guys wouldn't be able to. And he really puts his body out there. So you can see that being an issue when it comes to injuries later down the road, we're seeing it now with his back injury and how it's affecting his pro day. Um, but He's a he's a steal no matter what in my opinion. You, if you get him that late, like down there for Green Bay, that's a steal because this guy is definitely a top fifteen player. He deserves to be a top fifteen player. Um, he, he knows how to make a play with the ball. His off coverage is beautiful. Maybe could use some work with a little bit of man to man coverage because it wasn't it on a whole lot there in the Virginia Tech defense. But six two, two hundred seven pounds, and you can move like that in coverage again. Maybe possibly faster than you. Not really much faster because it's been under consideration that he's probably ran a four three or runs in the four threes at some point in his college career. Um, so he's also a quick guy, and that that brings that length and athleticism too. Able to get those legs up and be able to compete with these guys. Um, the plant and drive, being able to get and read what routes a, a or a running or excuse me a wide receiver is going to run. Um, not all that impressive, but like I said, if he gets beat he's able to make up that ground. So I think it'll be an, another solid choice, but I think there's a couple other guys that we might want to put in front of him at this point, just based off of how they look and what they were able to do on their pro days. So I'll let you take it away with our next guys. Yeah. yeah and you know, this is a guy that blew up the combine, a guy that I've been high on. And, you know, you mentioned Pat Sertain, not allowing a single penalty throughout this past season. That's an area that we're JC Horn has struggled with. Um, and, you know, when you talk about the hip mobility at Pat Sertan, that comes into big effect for J.C. Horn. And, you know, one of the matchups that really stood out, if you watch his matchup against Florida, he went up against Kyle Pitts. He went up against the top the top target for Kyle Trask in Kyle Pitts. And, you know, you see his hip mobility. You see his hip – you see his mobility. You see his vision – and his ability to follow Kyle Pitts. Um, and, you know, another one was Seth Williams. Williams had 11 targets throughout the game. He only caught four of them. And, you know, J.C. Horn has proven to be a winner. And, yes, he plays on South Carolina. South Carolina isn't probably an average SEC school right now, like the way they're, you know, they finished. Um, but, you know, I'd have to recall what his 40 was, but it was – it was very, very impressive from what I remember. I think it was in the 4-2 or 4-3. Um, um, yeah, because I remember you had texted me about it too, and I, I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this is a guy that I've been high on. Um, I went into this him being the third best corner on the draft. I think he absolutely has the potential to be the second corner. This, uh, this might be bold, and I, at the same time, judging by his performance from his pro day, I could totally see him being the first corner off the board. Um, uh, he, yeah, he. I think he could be too. Uh, continue what you're going to say. Yeah, I mean, I, to ten to the Dallas Cowboys, and you I mean you. We've seen pro days. We've seen combines where you know players rise up the draft boards, and you know J.C. Horn coming into the season. I'm not really sure where he was projected. I think it was. In, I think it was in the first two rounds, um, but when he opted out. He really rose himself to the first round, and I, I think he already solidified himself going into the pro day, um, being a first-round pick. But I think after his pro day, he has a strong chance to solidify himself, a strong chance to be a top-15 pick. Oh, he's, he should be. Um, he's one of those guys that, that's deserving, and I don't know. His, his mechanics are kind of his problem. His, his fundamentals are kind of – his deal, which is going to be tough, you know, when it gets to the NFL because it's going to be demanded of you to have that down. So that's going to have to be something that he steadily works on from this point forward when it comes to his career in the NFL and how good he will be. But other than that, I mean, any everything else about him is something you want in a cornerback. He's you can call him a dog, you can call him whatever you want. 
Um, this guy is a press man coverage, the second guy in the draft in, in terms of snaps, press man, other than obviously we've already talked about Patrick Sertain, but this guy is number two. He has 240 snaps at the press man coverage position in his college career. So that's a great thing. You know, NFL got, love that guy, uh, love those guys. I mean, he, he, he reminds me a lot of Jalen Ramsey in the terms of the way he plays because he is long, he is lanky, he's athletic. I'm not saying he is Jalen Ramsey because Jalen Ramsey is a different type. But, you know, Jalen Ramsey had it fundamentally sound. He had everything. You know, there's things that JC needs to work on, but he has that potential to be a player in that sort of aspect. Um, I know Jalen plays majority, you know, off, not necessarily press or anything like that. But just the way he's built, the way he plays the game, it's just, you know, kind of you make that correlation there. But you you spoke about his coverage against um, Kyle Pitts. You're talking about his coverage against Seth Williams, and that was his best game um, this past year. I don't know if you guys watched that game. You know, he only held – I think he held Seth Williams to one catch on nine targets or something like that, which is hard to do against Seth Williams, who is a good wide receiver. So deep that we don't really get to talk about him a whole lot for 44 yards and two picks. So you had two interceptions in a game that you really need to step up in, a game that, you know, South Carolina really needed to win. And he did it. He's just all around an animal. Like I feel like every time he lines up against a wide receiver, he feels like they did something personal to him. So like he just gets like right in their face. He's not afraid of the talk. He's not afraid to like bump them, be physical with them either. Um, so that's what it impresses a lot. And then you go back to his pro day, his pro day, excuse me, and what he was able to show on the pro day when the pads are off um, was pretty exciting too because then you can look at him and see a little bit more things like this is what he looks like. This is how he runs without, you know, pads on. He did a great job of it. He's got a great vert. Um, you want this type of guy on your team, no matter if his fundamentals are there or not, his technique is perfect or not. You want a guy in there that you can be able to hopefully teach these things to get him to understand. It's just so detailed. Once you get that one little detail down, you can become something great. And I think he has, you know, the utmost potential to be able to do that come this draft and in his career in the NFL. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, I think you mentioned technique or something as well. I mean, the one thing that, you know, minor flag, I wouldn't really call it a red flag at all is you see him play high at times and he, you know, he is, he has been, you know, very, he just has to stay consistent is what I'm seeing is, you know, at playing low because he, he can win playing low. You've seen him playing low. Um, he plays high at times, um, but, you know, that's definitely not a hard fix. But it's just it's just, just a very small tad. Maybe that's just me being nitpicky that he is – that I would say that <laughs> minor or, like, the polish up. Yeah, it's minor. He's also good in the run game. There's, there's a tons of time this past season where I just saw him be able to get below – uh, an offensive lineman or a running back that was trying to block him, get in the backfield and be able to tackle or a fullback, excuse me, and get in the backfield and tackle a running back um, low at the leg. So he does play low sometimes. He just needs to be able to regularly get his shoulders, you know, down and forward instead of, you know, standing up and, you know, letting a guy beat you. And that's something he'll work on. That's why he, you know, sometimes has problems with his fundamentals. You get off balance that way as well. So they're going to work on. We both acknowledge that now. Um, but we're going to get into two guys who are probably fighting for that fourth spot here uh, as the number four guy. Or, I mean, you can maybe say Caleb Farley's probably in this conversation with these guys too. Um, but these are the two guys that we put here. And first off, we're going to talk about um, Florida State cornerback Asante Samuel Jr. Obviously, his dad, much like Patrick Sertain's dad, both played in the NFL, had good careers in the NFL as well. Um, but go ahead and tell me a little bit about Asante Samuel Jr. before I wrap it up and talk about my null. Yeah, I mean, you know, the one thing he, unlike Caleb Farley, I would say Asante Samuel Jr. doesn't really have that prototypical. He's very athletic. He's very athletic. And I think his body, I think that can make, definitely will make people overlook, um, you know, his lack of build. He doesn't have that build of being, what is he? He's, he's 184 pounds. Um, I think he's 5'10, 5'10, 184. Um, but yeah, I mean, the one thing that stands out to me, he's athletic, he, he, he's athletic for his position at all, very much. And, um, he's a draft riser and you're probably going to have more to say, um, 
But I mean, I love to just hear that he's a draft riser. I'm just like, <laughs> <He's> yeah, a, <laughs> <come> on, <laughs> like about time before state guys a draft riser again. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, there's there's so many corners in this draft that there's two we've talked about where hit mobility stands out: J.C. Horn and Pat Sertain. Asante Samuel Jr. I think can definitely be added to that list. Um, and like that, that's the one thing. And like, it's not just that stand out. That is the one thing that, you know, is very, very crucial for being a secondary and cornerback prospect, being a corner in the NFL, let alone a corner in college football or the NFL. And, you know, the hit mobility of JC Horn and Pat Sertain the second and potentially Asante Samuel Jr. are areas that stand out from the other corners that we have talked about. And you had mentioned, I'm glad you brought that up too. Cause like, you brought up Caleb Farley. He has the prototypical size for an NFL corner. He might not excel in the other traits that, you know, Sertain and JC Horn. But if you want to talk about a guy out of the ones that we have talked about who have that size, the perfect NFL size for a corner, I would say it's between Farley and Sertain. Yeah, definitely. And I think what, what makes this Ante Samuel stand out amongst all these other quarterbacks that we're talking about is that we're – saying all these things that are problems with their cornerback, you know, role, you know, when it comes to playing the cornerback position, not necessarily, you know, things of their height or their length or anything like that. We're talking about height and, and weight problems with Asante Samuel Jr. Everything else he is amazing at, like flip of the hips, great speed, great burst, great um, agility is amazing. Change of direction ability, going up and denying a ball from a, a wide receiver that's like almost a foot taller than you and being able to bat it down or, or get a pick. And I mean, he just provides everything you want out of a cornerback, except that he's small. And that has yep. probably haunted him his whole life. And it's going to continue to for a little bit. And that happens. Um, but if you put on the table of Sante Samuel Jr., he's all over guys. He plays really physical with them, even at the size that he is. Excuse me. Um, but I think he provides, excuse me again, the most overall well-rounded gift set for a cornerback in this year's draft, other than maybe a Patrick Sertain. Um, and that's just because he's probably had to like hone in on these things to make up for his height. And that's something that you see come along with guys like these, uh, like this, and he'll, he'll fit better, you know, in his own scheme obviously when it comes to the NFL or maybe in, in a slot situation, he'll excel in those positions. You don't necessarily want him one-on-one outside with a DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. That's not even fair. You know, you can't put him in that position. You need to help safety over the top. Um, but Asante Samuel, man, in my opinion, he is, he's a dog straight up. Like he, he's not afraid of whatever fight you put in front of him. We were just talking about that with JC Horn. Um, but Asante Samuel is the absolute biggest dog in this whole draft class and cornerbacks, in my opinion, um, I mean, maybe you can look at um, the guy out of Washington, Molden. He's a dog, too. Um, there's a bunch of dogs in his draft class, but Asante Samuel is a dog beyond dogs because of his size. You put He's like a puppy in a, in a, in a dog pound right now with, with big old pit bulls or whatever, and he can handle it. He's not afraid to. He'll fight back, and he wins. You know, like he, he doesn't have a problem doing that, and that's what I love about Asante Samuel Jr. I think there's going to be a lot of coaches that fall in love with him, um, because he is a great person, not only on the field, but off the field as well. You know, he comes from a great household because of his father and what his father was able to do in the NFL. So, you know, he's going to be a professional when he gets to that level. So there's not many things that you that can go wrong with Asante Samuel Jr. Now, seeing where he'll end up, that's a question. You could see him maybe late first round, maybe early second. Like we said, this is a deep corner class, um, but that's kind of where I see him. I, I went back and forth with the Bills, either taking him or yeah. like Caleb Farley late in the first round. And I did, I, I, I put Caleb Farley there and I, just, you know, thinking they're going to see him bigger, more athletic guy um, instead of just the attributes that you get with a cornerback, that's going to be a solid fit on your team. Um, but I could see him fitting there with the bills. That would be nice. That would be a bill thing to do because you, the bills like a scrappy dude. It's just the New York way. Um, that's how they do things up there in Buffalo. But I, I don't know quite where you see him, but I think he's going to be a good fit with whoever he ends up with. Yeah, and like I would definitely say late first, early second. If he goes in the first, it's not going to surprise me, especially for like look at Caleb Farley's back, his, his injury. 
is going to pose a lot of concerns um, for NFL teams. And you might see other, you might see them view other guys um, higher than him now. Not saying that's going to be Asante Samuel Jr., but they might move Caleb Farley down in their list of corners. Like teams like the Green Bay Packers, teams like you know the Arizona Cardinals might view. Um, I would say like the top fifteen, top twenty teams are probably going to wouldn't surprise me at all. They're probably going to move Caleb Farley way down, down farther on their list because of that injury concern. And, you know, like the big thing about Asante Samuel that I think teams should, you know, definitely take into account is that he's small. But the way he plays, he plays like a Caleb Farley body frame. Not talent-wise, but he plays like he has that prototypical build. And I think he, you know, uses that to his advantage. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, <laughs> Sante Savio Jr., that'll wrap it up on him. We'll go over to another guy who I possibly think has a chance to, you know, leap over. And that's a guy out of Northwestern, Greg Newsom, um, the second. Yeah, and this, this, is, this is another huge draft riser. And, you know, his pro day, his pro day, very well could solidify himself being in the first round. Um, you know, there's a guy that screams consistency, has a very high football IQ, very, very elite ball skills. And, you know, I would love him at 29, but part of me makes it very hard to believe he's going to be there at 29. Um, I think he's going to go sooner. I think he's going to go sooner than 29. I think yeah. he definitely leaps over Caleb Farley as that third quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's yeah. taken for sure. Yeah. I mean, one and two, I think everyone kind of seems to think it's certain and JC Horn, that three is out there. And, you know, the three between, you know, Newsom, Asante Samuel Jr. I feel like I'm definitely missing one, like between those three guys, it's really not that far off. Um, you know, I think a guy that reasoned about 29 would probably be more like an Eric Stokes, uh, right. you know, his, his unbelievable speed. <laughs> not really is it going to solidify himself being in the first round i would hope so but it wouldn't surprise me if he falls to the second which we'll get to that but this guy is a draft riser and he has the potential depending on where he goes i think he can be a starting nfl corner oh he easily in my opinion might be the most nfl ready besides a patrick certain or you could maybe even say Asante samuel's nfl ready just because he knows the deal and what it's going to take but um he just his flip his hip mobility the way he is able to flip his hips so not even fast like you can say it's fast but it's not even fast it's just so smooth he is so clean and smooth in every single movement that he takes he gets after the ball whenever it's thrown his way he can make up for lost time um you see him jump in the air you see him get into wide receivers He's just overall a great cornerback. Uh, this year, he only played in six games before he decided to opt out for the rest of the season um, and only allowed 12 catches on 34 targets for 93 yards, no touchdowns in, in those six games. So this guy is locked down. This guy is a solidified pro when it comes to the cornerback position. He is going to be a beast when it comes to the NFL. I am saying that right now. It might be hot. It might not. Y'all decide on that because – Greg Newsom is going to be a terror in the NFL just because he is so fun. We were talking about JC Horn. It's a complete opposite guy of, of JC Horn. He is a fundamental technique masterpiece where he makes it look easy. He makes it look so easy in what he does that that's going to flash a lot of eyes. Not only that, Sam already talked about his pro day where he shined and he did shine. And so, uh, somebody's going to pick him up. Uh, he'll, he'll probably be in the somewhere between the 16 and probably 25 range is where, where I would expect him to go. Um, I, I'm really high on this guy. I, I just now got to watch some film on him. I love it. Um, he is all over the ball. He is very fluid in his movements as well. And that's the biggest thing that stands out to me is how easy he makes the cornerback position look from, from playing it. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have 
and speed is not always a thing. It definitely matters for certain positions more than others. Greg Newsom doesn't have elite speed. He doesn't have J.C. Horn speed. He doesn't have Pat Sertain speed. But like you said, and I think you nailed it right there, like there's there's just certain areas of his game. And I I think you could probably argue that his hit mobility might be one of, if not the best, the best in in this in this draft class. Not even in this draft class. I would say in quite some time. I mean, you I haven't looking back seen or even talked about a cornerback who moves the way he does and, and makes it look so simple and easy. And that's a hard thing to do because cornerback, in my opinion, is probably the hardest position on the field to play because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you have no idea what's going to happen. You don't know what routes these, these wide receivers are going to be running. You don't know, you know, what's, what what's coming your way. And then to be able to adjust and adjust so easily in the way that he does I just haven't been able to see it. Like that's NFL caliber already. Like that's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes you, you know, question like these guys, you know, not only great defensive interior defensive linemen, they do create very good corners as well in the drafts and guys who last a good amount of time in the NFL that are solid guys. So um, that that'll be enough of um, of Newsom there. We'll move on to a guy who is a transfer from Alabama originally, um, transferred over to UCF, went to the Knights, played with them, and that's going to be Aaron Robinson there out of Orlando. So let's go. You know, I, I can let you start with this one. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll start. Um, he, he's a ferocious press guy, much like J.C. Horn was, um, you know, transferring from Alabama over to UCF. I don't really, you know, put much stock into that because you're not getting the playing time there. Even though you're good, you transfer to another great team in UCF. I'm now putting UCF in that great category because of what they've been able to do over the past 10 years. Um, and they've kind of risen themselves into being able to talk, be able to be talked about like that. So um, I really like that. He ha- He's played in the slot a lot. Um, when he was at UCF, he, he loves the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he did at the pro day or not pro day, excuse me, the senior bowl, um, because he is a senior is they put him outside to see what he looked like outside because the majority of his time he was playing slot when he was at UCF. And now he's put outside in the senior bowl and he impressed extremely, um, doing great in one-on-ones and in practice. Um, he has 15 pass breakups for the past two seasons, which is you know, pretty good for, for a cornerback, especially when a, you're a lot of, if you're the number one guy, a lot of quarterbacks aren't going to necessarily throw at you, um, especially if they don't think that, you know, they can pick on you. If they think that they can pick on you, like guys will pick on Asante Samuel Jr. all the time because of his height, but Asante Samuel proved wrong, but they would still continue to, you know, keep trying to press that and press that and press that until they got one. They didn't do that necessarily here with Robinson. Um, he did, I don't know, there's just, a lot to like about him. There's not a whole lot to nitpick about. Just a real all-around solid piece, I would imagine, that Robinson will be for a team. You know, fill in in that in that slot position as the third corner. Um, come in when you're needed to on the outside if there's an injury that goes down. He's just going to be a guy that's going to be good for your team, and I really like him. Yeah, and, like, this is another, you know, guy. What is he? He's 5'11", I think 190, 5'11", 190, um, you know, Alabama transfer from UCF. So. Prototypical size, so he's yeah. good. Yep, prototypical size, has the experience of playing in the SEC. Um, so I think definitely teams are going to take that into account. You know, he's he's not a Pat Sertain. He's not a J.C. Horn. He's physical. He's physical. You know, one thing I think definitely could polish up is his awareness in the game, especially at the start of plays. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean – I would probably say somewhere in the probably footwork. Sorry, I'm just dog sitting. <laughs> but uh um but uh yeah. Yeah, and you don't you he's not one of those guys' names you you heard a lot throughout the season. So, you know, his pro days, you know, meant a lot for him. And you know, he's just always been, you know, sitting right here. You know, he's one of those guys that is just solid all around. You don't really have much to say about him. He's not overly good at one thing or another. He's a solid all-around football player. So I, I think that'll bode well for him. Um, he changes direction fairly quick, um, quick to react to if the ball is in the air, if it's on the ground in a fumble situation or not. Um, a great tackler. I will say that about him. He is good at tackling. Um, he doesn't really miss often on those, and that's good. You know, watching his film, that's something that's good for him. 
Um, and that division that he plays in isn't, you know, it's not the power five, but it's a, it's a pretty strong division when it comes to, you know, outside the power five and you play some good, good teams. I mean, you play teams like Memphis and, and things of that nature, Cincinnati's um, they're, they're good teams and you're going up against good competition, especially those teams get guys that are legit players too. You know, these guys, they might not be, you know, your five-star players that are in the SEC or anything like that, but they have the heart of a five-star. And so you know that they're playing all out every single game. So you can't give that as a knock against them either. Um, but yeah, I really like Aaron Robinson. He'll probably go probably somewhere second, third, probably second. I would say he'll probably go in the second round. I don't see him slip into the third, but um, that's somewhere where you can snag him and get a really good cornerback. Yeah, and this is another guy that definitely has been rising too. Um, there's mm-hmm. a few others that we'll get to, but Aaron Robinson, you know, definitely stands out as a draft riser, and one of the big reasons is because of his pro day. Yeah, and we'll get into um, another guy real quick here, and that's going to be a cornerback out of Washington, and that's Elijah Molden. I'll let you go ahead and take it out, take it away from there, Sam. Yeah. Um... This guy, I feel like, does not get enough attention. Um, you know, he went into this season with a lot. Like, I, I'm trying to remember where even where he where he was even ranked. Um, and I definitely think one of the Pac-12 did have what six games, six seven games. Yeah, six games. Yeah, and if Elijah Molden goes in the first round, um, it would not surprise me. And I, I, I think he's definitely talented enough to go um, in the first two rounds. Um, he's extremely consistent. He's tough. And, you know, one thing that stands out is his versatility. He has experience playing safety. Um, he has experience playing almost just about everywhere, all around in the secondary area. And I think teams are going to fall in love with that. The reason they're going to fall in love with him is because he – just blatantly doesn't care about his body. He do if you watch this kid and you watch his film, he flies around the field. The best nickelback corner in this draft. If if you're running a nickel, you know, package in the NFL, this is the guy you want to go ahead and go get because he can play like that off the ball. That's where he's best. And that's that's amazing for him. Um, because you know, there's going to be specific teams out there that are looking for a guy like you, and they're going to be able to snag you up, and you're going to be fit, able to fit in perfectly. So you can see him having a nice, good career when it comes to the NFL, as long as he ends up in the right situation. Um, I was talking about Asante Samuel, J.C. Horn being dogs earlier. This is another one of those guys. He's a hard hitter, um, gets after the ball. When he sees the ball, he goes and gets it. Um, just, you know, prototypical style quarterback. And like I said before, um, these Pac-12 teams, they somehow, you know, are good at producing cornerbacks and that's what they're doing. You know, we talk about Northwestern, excuse me, that's big 10, but um, I mean, I don't know why I always get Washington Northwestern confused because I feel like they always produce the same talent from the same spot and, and, and interior defensive line and corners. Like that's their thing. Like that's one of the things that these two teams do. Um, and he's just an all around guy. He goes after the ball. He sees the ball thrown in the air. He's going to lay the hit. So you see that safety coming into play there as well. And I think you, you know, he'll probably end up a second round too. Like we said, we've got a deep, deep cornerback class here. And I don't know if there's much more else you can say other than he's just a ball hawk. He loves getting after the ball. Um, and that's going to work in his favor. We'll see how, you know, his technique, you know, transitions into the NFL. But like I said before, if he ends up in a nickel defense with an NFL team that plays that way, then you can really see him not really having to work on his technique and everything so much. Um, especially earlier in his career, although that is something he might want to work on anyways, in case he does end up, you know, somewhere else. But um, overall, I think Elijah Molden is a a great cornerback. He's got a lot of swag to him. Um, You know, a player's got a lot of swag when they're a dog. So I I, I really like him. Yeah. And, you know, before we go on to Eric Stokes here, my, my, I think I was telling you this, my friend and I were making a, just having our own little mock draft yesterday for the first round, each picking our own guys. And I put Elijah Molden to the Raiders. And is Elijah Molden first-round talent? No, not necessarily. But I think this would be a total Mike Mayock pick. And Mike Mayock, John Gruden loves speed. Elijah Molden possesses so much speed. And, you know, there's guys on the defense that Mike Mayock falls in love with versatility. I had mentioned a week or two ago, um, you know, after the Yannick signing – from the Raiders, 
they're potentially moving in Cleveland Farrell onto the inside into the de defensive line. So you're going to see more versatility from Farrell. And, you know, there's not a ton of depth in that cornerback room for the Raiders. Um, Elijah Molden comes in, has the potential to be that, you know, true cornerback one. Um, so I think that would be a total Mike Mayock pick. But um, that's all I had if you want to move on to Stokes. Yeah, well, we're not just going to move on to Stokes here. We're, we're going to go ahead and tackle both these Alabama corners at the same time because um, there's another guy I think that you want to talk about that I didn't necessarily do enough research on. Um, but um, we'll start with Eric Stokes. And obviously, since we're talking about Georgia cornerbacks, we're going to be talking about both mm -hmm. Eric Stokes as well as Tyson Campbell here. We'll start with Eric Stokes, um, not necessarily higher up than Tyson Campbell uh, in either of our eyes, but um, dude is a freak of nature when it comes to his speed. He puts on a show every time he's there. He he can keep up with anybody. Um, he's been a turnover machine. He gets the picks because people want to stay away from Tyson Campbell. Um, so he gets those numbers too. So a good, solid number two guy, in my opinion, is what I'm seeing out of Eric Stokes. Yeah, and I'd have to his, – his 40 was, you know, off the charts. And it was low four threes, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think it was like high four two four. Yeah, yeah. Um, Six one one eighty five. It was high four two or low four three. Yeah, yeah, it was somewhere in there. I'd have to find it, but um, you know, I think this is a guy that could turn into a potential steal, depending on where he is. Um, I, I like, the, I almost like him. I, I, I like him better as an NFL corner. I like him better than Tyson Campbell, um, and you know. You had mentioned the guy that keeps up with these guys. He plays with such a high motor and his ability. And I don't want to, you know, take kind of repeat what you had said, but you nailed it too. There is his ability to his speed, his ability to keep up with these elite receivers playing in the SEC. Um, but yeah, I mean, this dude's rising. It wouldn't surprise me if he goes in the first round. Um, I think if he is, he's near the last four to five picks, 29 Green Bay Packers, uh, Buffalo Bills, the, uh, a pick prior, I want to say they're 28. Um, actually, no, they're 30. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm watching his highlights right now. Good Lord, man, this guy turned the got the ball in his hands so many times. Um, it's insane. But, yeah, um, Tyson Campbell, I, I, I would just put slightly ahead of him just, you know, because it's more than just speed. But – you can see when he does get beat, he's easily able to catch up to these guys. He makes hits. He, you know, bats the ball down. He, he's good overall. You know, there's some things that he could work on. But, I mean, overall, you go to Alabama, you're starting – or, excuse me, you go to Georgia and you're starting cornerback. Their defense is always nasty and they're always highly rated guys. Um, so that is something you got to pay attention to because they're all going to be pros at some point in their careers. And this guy just shows over and over again he can go up against the best of the best. Um, some penalties, not a whole lot, but something that he might want to, you know, eke down a little bit more, but he is overall a riser in this draft. And I think that has a lot to do with how his pro day went as well as, you know, what he was able to put on film in terms of creating those turnovers in college there at Georgia. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've praised about half this list of hip mobility. Um, and I think this is definitely an area where, you know, Stokes has, I think could be could come could become more consistent in it. I think that's an area you know we're at times. Um, you know he isn't as consistent, um, and you had mentioned you know his ability to you know catch up with other guys um, because of his speed um, and because of his speed. Yeah, I don't remember what the second half of it was. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries. We'll move over to Tyson here. Um, and Tyson has started at or started at um, Georgia his entire career ever since he was a true freshman. So he's played a lot of snaps. Um, but the thing that we were just talking about with, um, excuse me, um, Stokes was that he was a turnover machine. This is not what you get out of Tyson Campbell. You don't get a turnover machine. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot, but he's played a lot of snaps. He's good at what he does. He's just the solidified corner you know you don't need much from him you don't need the turnovers you don't expect him to do that so that's another guy i see you fitting in as a number two guy overall not your number one press you know the guy that you want as your number one corner at all um he's played 
insane amount of snaps, 869 career coverage snaps. Um, and he only registered nine breakups in that. So, I mean, he doesn't do a whole lot, you know, in the playmaking category of things when it comes to breaking up balls or, or you know, catching interceptions or things of that nature. He was heralded for speed when he came in. That didn't really show as his career went through, but he was just always there. You know, like he was – people didn't throw his way because he had such good coverage. And that's a thing that I was mentioning earlier when we were talking about Stokes is Stokes was, you know, picked on, if you will, because of Tyson Campbell's coverage ability. And that's something that's going to help him when it comes to this draft process. Didn't necessarily test other waters at his pro day. Did a decent job. Um, but, you know, moving forward, probably a, a nice day two guy. Maybe yeah. ends up second, third round. Um, I, that's where I see him. I think it will be a solid number two on whatever team he ends up on. Again, guys, deep, deep, deep cornerback group here. And so you're not going to go wrong with any of these guys. If you want to wait till the second round to get yourself a cornerback, you're not going to go wrong because I know the top three, four, five guys are probably your, you know, your solid day one starters that can come in and be able to provide something for your team. And the second group is they can provide for your team, but they not be they may not be the starters right off the bat and they might have to work their way into it. That's kind of where Tyson Campbell sitting. Um, sorry, I thought you were, but, um, you know, in terms of hip mobility, I think that's something where Tyson Campbell is better at than Eric Stokes. He's athletic. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big reasons why I think Eric Stokes is going to be better, because the one I think the one concern for Tyson Campbell is his inconsistency in the game. And I think that's one big reason why you're seeing him fall in so many mock drafts. Throughout the season, you saw him, you know, technically solidified in first-round mock drafts. And now you're not even seeing him in first-round mock drafts. You're barely seeing him. Um, and I might have seen him in the third round. And, you know, I think I think day two range is definitely where he's going to be. I think it's going to be somewhere in the second round. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. He's had instances where, you know, he gets flagged or, or something of that nature or just it was a bad throw in the cornerback, so he kind of gets bailed out in situations as well. But overall, he's a very solid guy, very solid piece, good at turning his head around, locating the ball while it's in the air, while he's flipping his hips and staying hip on hip with his wide receiver. So, I mean, he, he is a solid guy, um, but, you know, he hasn't done a whole lot in the playmaking aspect of things, doesn't have the up-notch speed that we're talking about. Um, you know, consistency, like Sam was just saying as well. So just some things for Tyson to, you know, get together before he moves on to the next level. But he'll he'll be serviceable um, no matter where he goes. But with that being said, we'll move on to somebody uh, back in the ACC here. And that's somebody that a lot of people might not know. And that's a cornerback here out of Syracuse and Ifietu Melifanwu. Yeah. And, you know, this guy, I think this guy, like Caleb Farley, as the perfect prototypical size for a corner. And I haven't, I didn't get the chance to see what his pro day numbers were. Um, and I think that is definitely one of the big reasons um, why he's been rising in the draft boards. And, um, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard because there people are high on him. They're, they're super high on him because of his hip mobility. Um, could be a physical freak if he wanted to be. Um, he excels with long speed. He's got he's 6'3", 213, great size for a cornerback. Is able to move very fluidly at that size, which is a huge plus because when you're at the cornerback position, you don't necessarily want to be that big of a player because you don't want to sacrifice your speed or your mobility or your agility when it comes to covering wide receiver. It doesn't look like that's the case with him. He's very fluid. He's very, you know, like I said, with his speed and his length and his legs, he's able to utilize those to his advantage instead of it being a disadvantage, which is great. The problem with him is, is that at 6'3", 213 pounds, you're not physical in the slightest bit. You do not play wide receivers physical. And that's, that's really the question that comes into play here with him is that, how are you going to be able to play hip to hip and maybe force these guys to a boundary? And when you're going up against 
you know, these wide receivers, like I mentioned DK Metcalf earlier, DK Metcalf, or, you know, I'm trying to think a Tyreek Hill who just runs darts down the field. You got to be able to force him and play physical with him to knock him off that route, you know, speed, size, a combination of both there and those two wide receivers. And you can talk about guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's a very physical wide receiver. Mike Evans, who's a very physical wide receiver. Um, what are you going to do against those guys who are going to be pushing you and fighting you all the way down the field? That is where his concern lies. Other than that, the prototype, the technique, the you know, little things, the details, he gets all completely right, which is fine in his own in his own right. But we need to see him be more physical because the NFL is a lot more physical game than when you're playing in the ACC. And that's, that's the thing, too. He's consistent, has the size, he's athletic, but he, you don't see him use the size to his advantage. He doesn't have elite speed. Um, he doesn't have, you know, this elite vision. And it's, it almost seems like it's hard to pick an area that he excels in. And, you know, I think I think his first year or two, he's going to be a solid um, rotational piece. Yeah, he, he, he will be. And it's a matter of fact as if, you know, some of these coaches can get in his head and was like, you got to have this mentality because like you pray, you play at this position, you got to have this mentality to be physical and be a dog when it comes. You have to, like you have to have some sort of that. And he just doesn't seem to have it. So who can bring it out of this kid for him to be the most successful that it can be is going to be the question. Um, I'm not, not sure. Uh, defenses with a very hard defensive mind coach to try and bring it out of him. I guarantee you Syracuse probably didn't have that. I'm um, a guy who's constantly riding you to be physical against, you know, number one wide receivers. So he'll be a, a, a two guy, you know, he's not going to be a number one guy right off the bat, maybe potentially if he can ever learn how to be that type of player, but we'll see later on the road. Um, but real quick, before we, you know, end this thing off, um, just talk to me a little bit about Sean Wade, and then we'll talk a little bit about one other guy that, um, you wanted to talk about before he logged off, and that was Ambry Thompson or Thomas, excuse me. Yeah, you know Sean Wade, I think was probably the most surprising corner in this draft, and Jordan Reed from Draft Network just kind of stood out to me. It was very interesting. He had brought up the idea of Sean Wade staying back a year and potentially playing safety because Sean Wade is physical. Sean Wade does not have, you know, this elite Caleb Varley size. And he got beat against a Devontae Smith, a guy that, you know, several people have knocked for his size. He weighed in at 170. I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong on this, but wasn't Devontae Smith in the 180s during the season? Well, that's what Alabama had him listed as on their official yeah. website. Yeah. And he weighed, yeah. And he weighed in at 170. Um, and like just that though, like an under, a receiver that many people undersized and many people like myself think that could be a problem in the NFL. Sean Wade got beat against him. And I think that's going, he went from being a first round pick to, I don't think he's going to be drafted in the first two rounds. I think he's at best third round pick. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he has plenty of elite tape to show. He has a good amount of elite tape to show. And I think that could result in him being drafted, you know, as early as the third round. I think at best he's going to be a third round pick. Um, but what I thought was interesting was, you know, Jordan Reed from the Draft Network had pointed out, uh, you know, of his ability to play the safety position. Because this also seems like a guy like Ifanwu that we just discussed where if you unlock his full potential, he could be very, very good. Yeah, he could be in – he got cooked by Devontae Smith, and then he was the one saying, I want to guard him, like put me on him, like before that national championship game. And you're supposed you're supposedly ready for that, right? And then you just completely get worked all game long by this wide receiver. And, you know, that hurts, you know, mentally – you know, for him, you know, you know, think like, hey, I'm coming here. I'm going to play my best game against the best wide receiver who just won the, the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> and I'm going to be able to, you know, do at least a little bit more than the other teams were. And then you get torched for the most yards he's ever had in a game. Perhaps. So, I mean, it, it's something that happens. But like we said, he's just not the Sean Wade that we've seen on film. I don't I don't know what he's not that guy. He's not the number one guy that we all had coming into this season. Um, and he's sliding 
he's I haven't seen a player slide this hard in this draft yet in the time that we've been talking up until Sean Wade. Um, he is physical. He does create turnovers. <coughs> but if that's all you can do, what are you going to do when you get to the NFL? Because you're, you're playing Big Ten wide receivers majority of the year, right? And Big Ten, majority of those teams run first, pass second. So you're not really getting that consistent – you know, basis of throws headed your way like a lot of other conferences, the ACC, the SEC, do when it comes. They're more of an NFL style now where it's throw first, then mix in the run to open up the throw. And that's not something that happened there in Big Ten, so maybe that hurts him a little bit. But he'll be okay. I think, you know, he'll once he gets to the NFL, a lot, of, a lot of that pressure will kind of come off of him, and he'll be able to do what he does. But I, I agree with you, Sam, you know, third round, Maybe even fourth, man. I don't. I feel bad saying that because you slide a guy from the number one overall cornerback at the start of the season and slide him back to the fourth round. It's hard to do, but I mean, there's just not enough there for us, you know. Film can only tell us so much, and it's Big Ten wide receivers. Like, there's not the level. I, I hate to say it, but the the wide receivers of Big Ten, other than the ones that are on your team, aren't you know, the, the style or the play that's you're going to see in the NFL. Yeah. And it's crazy. The amount of, you know, signs of regression that we saw out of him and like, not just Sean Wade, like they were Northwestern Indiana throughout the season, like the two games for Ohio state this season, um, where that secondary, that not just Sean Wade, that entire secondary got exposed. Um, so, I mean, Ohio state has been, you know, a lot of people's knocks throughout the season of how they didn't deserve to be in the top four. Um, and, you know, it, it's crazy. And like, you know, Sean Wade and that secondary got exposed for a few of those games during the season, including Northwestern and Indiana. Yeah, he did. He didn't show up when he needed to. And there's close games that were probably should have been put on him. And, you know, nobody really talked about, but um, just real quick, Sam, cause we don't have a lot of time left. Go ahead and give us a short on Ambry Thomas. I think this guy's a sleeper. Um, I think at best he's a third round pick. Um, I think if he doesn't make the first three rounds, I think he's a very, very early day two pick or near the fourth to fifth round area. Um, and I think one thing that stands out, yes, he is the size, he's athletic and he's the hip mobility. I think one, he has a high amount of upside. And I made a mock draft to the cut with the cards wire uh, last week or actually got published this past Sunday. Um, I put Ambry Thomas to the Cardinals in the fifth round. And, you know, Ambry Thomas, I think, could be groomed into a potential starting corner. And, you know, one area that is a minor knock, um, you know, I think very well could be. Um, I think it's. I think it could be pretty easy to polish up as, you know, his inconsistency in his technique and tackling. Um, but I love Ambry Thomas. He did opt out. Um, so I think, you know, the opt-outs are might pose a little bit of a concern for some teams, but I don't see opt-outs being just like a, a huge major concern, especially for like these high-level prospects like Jamar Chase, like his brother mm-hmm. yesterday, Gregory Russo. Um, but, you know, I think, I, I think a lot of people are going to be very, very – whoever drafts Ambry Thomas, I think Ambry Thomas has a lot of upside – and you want to talk about a sleeper corner in this draft, I definitely think it's Ambry Thomas. I would take him on the Green Bay Packers in the middle of the draft. Yeah. Um, you guys take Sam words for it because I don't know a whole lot about Ambry Thomas. Didn't do my research, and it was going to be quick and short. But uh, with that being said, um, you guys, we've got our Patreon membership levels here, guys. If you guys want to join our Patreon, we appreciate you coming in here, showing us love. we got three different levels here, dollar level where you just support us. You don't really get any incentives out of that. Um, but we appreciate that anyways because you're helping our network grow from that point forward. It's awesome. Um, at the next level, we got the Unwrapped Family, $5 a month. You get access to our 24-7 Discord. You get a entered into a $10 Amazon gift card giveaway, which is awesome as well. And then you also get 10% off our Patreon, uh, or you get a 10% off code to our uh, Teespring shop as well, which is an amazing thing. And that Discord that you're accessing is full of unwrapped members, whether it's contributors, directors, whatnot, other fans as well. Get exclusive, you know, gambling picks and things of that nature as well as just regular talk on a daily basis. It's amazing. At that $10 level, pretty much the same thing as the $5 level. 
but instead instead of that fit or that 10% off code for the teespring shop you get 20% off of that shop as well but you also get entered into the Amazon gift card giveaway as well as a signed jersey or memorabilia giveaway this this past month excuse me was a David Montgomery jersey that we're going to be giving away very soon the previous month before that was a signed Keenan Allen jersey um, we're waiting on to see what it is for this month of April. We'll let you guys know, but that's something you're entered in for the $10, um, level as well, guys. And we really appreciate you coming in here and showing support to the unwrapped sports network, as well as us here at Saturday standouts. Um, my name is Caleb. You can follow me at CHS Noel on Twitter right there by my name. You can follow Saturday standouts on Twitter at sat standouts, USN, all one word guys. Follow us on Twitter there as well. We've been putting up the the podcast after the show as well. Um, anything else, Sam, before we go ahead and log off? Uh, no. I mean, I know, Caleb, the past week or so, you've been, you know, kind of sneak peek in the little mock draft that we're going to be doing with the hard count. I can't wait to do that. It's going to be so fun. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to that. We'll, we'll get you guys that info out on our Twitter and everything to, to start this next upcoming week and in, in all that. So you guys stay tuned in for that. And then um, head over to Unwrapped again, guys, and turn into the hard count coming on right now in about five seconds. Thank you for tuning in. This has been another episode of Saturday Standouts.